Hello, and welcome to another episode of Signs, Cosines, and Tangents. And what? Tangents. Who added that? I did. Oh, okay. It's our thing. Because things are better in threes. Like the Holy Trinity, and jokes, and labels. And... I got nothing. Car tires. Car tires? No, those come in fours. Darn it. Two pairs. Tricycle. Tricycles. Trike. 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 What well, are we talking about hey, this week, man? Uh, we've been away. Have for we? A little bit. We've been away for just a, a smidge. We always talk about how we keep missing our weekly appointments. Well, it's you know, I was I read this thing about SEO and blogs. That says you should not talk about missing your targets. You should just continue on because two weeks after you've missed your target, nobody cares anymore. They're either going to come back or they're not. Oh, so we just wrecked our SEO. We did. We just wrecked it. We wrecked it. We're not going to show up on Google anymore. Well, that could... guys, guys, do we show up on Google now? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm searching. I'm How not does finding... this magical internet thing work anyways? Guys, if you're finding us through Google, don't panic. We'll send you the link through Facebook. I think we've still got a page. Oh, we do. We know the Facebook page is active. Okay. 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 But only to people who are in their mid forties because nobody else uses Facebook. That's true. We need a Tinder page. We need a tween page. No, Tinder's old. We need a Snapchat page. Okay. That's the next thing. I think we need to get a Snapchat or an Instagram channel. Yeah. We should have an Instagram We can do channel. podcasts in 30 seconds or less. We can do Vine channel. Uh, Vine's dead, Sean. Oh. They shut down Vine. I'm old. I don't know this. The kids don't Vine anymore. I'm not a kid. I have a Tumblr. Does that count? You have kids. You should know what's popular. No, they don't talk to me about that. Why? Are they just watching YouTube all the time? Well, Connor is for sure. <laughs> That's all he does is sit on the couch and stare at his phone. Worst thing I ever bought him. That's the worst thing? So far. Okay. I haven't bought him a hooker or anything yet. 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 <laughs> well, okay. So Sean doesn't want to focus on us being not present for a while. No, here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. Sometimes life gets in the way. This isn't a full-time job for us. We do this because we enjoy it. We hope you enjoy the product of our enjoyment as enjoyable the fruits of our loins labors not oh. loins oh. oh fruit of the loom. now we're getting a little non-pg sorry <sighs> when they get older you just can't teach them but uh so you know i mean we've we've had a few weeks off and and maybe that's for the best right part of the reasons we were out of here i think for both of us was mental health and personal reasons we took some mental health, and then you were traveling, and then I was traveling for fun, and then somebody decided to get ill right after he traveled, um, <laughs> not pointing fingers. Um, but in that time... Yeah. It wasn't me. Uh, I've actually kind of stayed off the internet in that time. I now mean, you're far more healthy because you stayed off the internet. It felt better <laughs> to yeah. not be tied to the internet. And that's okay, because... You know, every once in a while, you need to just chill. You know what? You're absolutely right. You should chill, Sean. I, I should, but that's it, really not in my nature. It is not. <laughs> it's definitely not it's in my not. nature. I, so, mean, I mean, when I started not doing the podcast, so I started, I, I revitalized game design work and I'm publishing it on my blog. Yeah. So yeah. you actually are doing a creative endeavor yeah. of which 
that you feel inspired to do. Which I'll never have players for, but I'm going to do it anyways. Because I'm doing it for me, not for them. The ungrateful louses that they can be. Yeah, especially those gamers that you run games for. Those are the ones I'm talking about. They're ungrateful. No, they just don't take it seriously enough. So all this work and backstory and mechanics that I'm explaining and talking about, 90% of the people who play the game, when we actually play it, if we play it, won't care. And then they'll uh, they'll object the rules and want to migrate the story to how do I run an independent food truck uh, company that sells Doritos? So, you know, I've just accepted this as a factor of game design. No matter what you think you're setting up as a scenario and you're building all these systems and these worlds and people will just still try and figure out how to jump off a cliff and kill themselves repeatedly. When you're how like, do you what? kill yourself repeatedly? Uh, resurrection? Extra lives? I don't know. There are um, ways. So we've got a lot to go over. We've got lots of tangents. Yeah, this we shouldn't a, be doing banter. This is very unprof- unprofessional for this us. This is a tangent-heavy episode. Um, I'd say that's true, but I think our main topic will be kind of relaxing to talk about, actually. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, the first thing we have on here is Lego Dimensions. Yep. The in a, uh, what's the word? Toys to life. Toys to life. The whole bringing little uh, merchandising Doc from Back to the Future into a video game with that dollars. crosses over with Ghostbusters and Harry Potter and The Simpsons uh, is finally ending. And it didn't really stay that long. So No, I think that once Disney got out of the market, it really was a sign that things were over. Yeah. And Activision did what they usually do, like they did with the music games, and they ran it into the ground. Um, so Skylanders was really the first one out of the box to kind of do this, and it caught on like wildfire because kids wanted toys, and you can have toys that you could use in a game, and you know, and then eventually what happened is there were too many Skylanders because kids wanted more toys, but the games couldn't come out fast enough, so they had two stel- development studios doing them. They were cranking them out yearly, um, and they really ultimately didn't have anything to do with how you played the game. Right. And the other thing about Lego Dimensions was I was really interested when it came out, but it was expensive. Yes. Unlike Skylanders or Disney Infinity. The, uh, those were expensive, too. The, well, the, the, even some of the, the sets you wanted were like $20, $30. Oh, wow. Um, which is the price of like a downloadable game entirely. And you get maybe an hour's worth of content in-game. Um, well, I think the moral of the story here is, and this is something Nintendo's embraced. Oh my God, I'm defending Nintendo. <laughs> Mark it down. Um, is that if you like toys, buy toys. Kids have more fun with toys in their imagination. When you have to produce content that's a video game related dynamic content along with it, it stifles the ability to produce toys. Well, not only that, then you've got content that's locked behind said physical object, and if you can't keep said physical object in stock, that becomes another problem. Now, that is a problem they haven't figured out on the Nintendo side. Right. Because their supply definitely does not meet demand. Right. And we've experienced that firsthand. You don't want 30 different uh, copies of Wii Fit Trainer? I honestly haven't seen much of her lately. And she was rare. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of the 
Actually, what I've seen a lot of lately is the Zelda figures. Mm-hmm. I actually was in a, a local Best Buy the other day, and they had the the Guardian miniature, and they had like the Zelda and the Bow Link and the Link on a horse and and Wolf Link, and then not much else, which was weird. Yeah, it seems to be like seasonal which amiibos they get in, and then they they do reprints now and then, and you don't know when anything's coming out. So, anyway, to to kind of bring this point to a close, uh, it looks like we're finally reaching the end of life for toys in gaming. Um, Like music games, there's probably going to be some holdouts out there, but it's pretty much dead as a genre. Yeah. Um, And the Amiibo has moved on. It's evolved away from what it started as, which is exactly that craze. And now the Amiibos have become collectible items that people kill each other over in malls. So... I don't think there's been a single Amiibo-related death yet. Oh, we're getting there. What do you think it's going to do it? I I think it'll be the um, expanded Breath of the Wild, like, heroes, the ones that are about to come out. Oh, November 10th. Yeah. Sorry, got to get my Nintendo plug in there. (laughs) Um, So, let's talk Destiny 2. Sure. Let's be careful before we talk about Destiny. I haven't played it in a while. Yes, I need to play it. I need to get the DLC. We're going to get to Destiny 2 someday, Sean, especially with all this vacation time coming up. But who's we, Kimasabi? You and I. I'm already done with the story of Destiny 2. <sighs> See, he didn't wait, guys. I wasn't going to wait. I, I also finished Rise of Iron a long time ago. There's no incentive for me to play now. No, not with the character you and I play with. No, it's, it's fine. You it's know fine. what? That's a sad excuse for you to not have to keep up is what that is. <laughs> it's fine, man. It's cool. I'm good. Anyway. Anyhow. Destiny on PC released. Finally, a month later after console. And it's actually, I think, the best version of Destiny. Really? Yeah. I, I'm playing it far more than I'm playing my PS4 Pro version. Hmm. Um, video is better. And actually, anybody who follows my personal Twitch channel will have seen me streaming a few times the last few weeks. Again, being creative in the absence of doing podcasts. So this podcast really stifles my creativity is what I'm figuring out. Um, maybe not, <laughs> but, uh, the cool thing that I like about destiny Two is it's really visually intense, right? And, and you can actually get beautiful graphics on the PC better than you can on either of the consoles. Um, the one thing that a lot of PC players kind of called out in the beta and, and we were wondering what would it look like when it got to live and that is aim assist is still enabled on the PC. That's interesting. Um, again, I think it goes back to Destiny really needing to be an accessible FPS. And for people who are not necessarily good at diehard first-person shooters on a PC with a mouse, they're getting the same advantage that their console brethren have because you're not really good at shooting things with two thumbsticks. So what does that do for the hardcore, you know, perfect aim crowd? Are they? Do they complain? That- well, there's complaints, but it's turned off in PvP. Okay. So it's not that big a deal. Right, and Destiny is pr- primarily a co-op game. I like to think of it that way, but there are a lot of people who think it's competitive. I don't. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly because I have no interest in competitive sh- shooters. And there are a lot of people out there who do, because they get all the best loot, apparently. Um. 
Gotta get your loot, man. Well, and that's that that's the primary goal of Destiny any Destiny game apparently is loot. So the other thing is there's no chat. Which isn't true. Now that I think about it. You have team chat, but you don't have public chat. Is that them just assuming that people are using things like Discord and stuff now? Yeah, and there is voice chat built into the game when you're in a party. So you still have the ability to talk to other people, but it's not the same it's not structured the same way it is on the consoles. Right. So I I don't think it's as big a deal. I've heard some people make some comments about it, but honestly, I'm going to use TeamSpeak or Discord or you know, Skype to talk to my friends that I'm playing with anyways. And if it's a stranger that I want to talk to, so it's the 14-year-old that I want calling me gay because I missed a shot or something, then you know, I can use the in-game talk. I'm sure there's just a soundboard for that. So if you if you need that, you can just say... <laughs> Play it for yourself. Yeah. Call myself a noob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, that's... Again, Destiny 2 on the PC had a really smooth launch. Um, they've already done a few patches, but overall, it I think it plays just as well as the consoles. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Xbox One yeah. is getting backwards compatibility again for the original Xbox. Yes, the Xbox One is getting compatibility with, with the, the One Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. And a couple games listed here is Star Wars The Old Republic and Prince of Persia. Which are two of my favorite games from the uh, Xbox era. Right. Um, And here's the thing, though. It's not like Star Wars The Old Republic has been hard to play on any other platforms, considering I can play it on my phone, and it's the same game. Is there a mobile version? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's big for tablets. iPad and, and, Hmm. you know, the Samsung tablets and all that stuff. Well, uh, it, it's not on any other consoles. Like, it never came out in PS3. Or it's anything. on PC. Yeah, it came out in PC. It was a PC game, but Xbox was the only other place to play. Correct. Yeah. So, this is giving people a way to play on console. If you never owned an Xbox, and you want to experience probably the second best Star Wars game ever made, then Knights of the Old Republic... Is now available. First one's X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Uh, I was not going to say X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. I was going to say TIE Fighter. Just seeing where your heart is. Oh, yeah, that's written. I think I have a tattoo for that. Jedi Knight 2. I love Jedi Knight 2 also. Jedi Academy is actually fun when you use some patches to make it modern. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so if you're somebody who either A, has a bunch of old Xbox One games... Original Xbox games, I should say. Uh, and you that are sitting on the shelf collecting dust because you've got that giant brick of an Xbox sitting in the corner with a humongous controller. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> the Duke. Yeah. Which they are re-releasing. They are, which just baffles me. You need to increase the size of your hands three sizes to actually grip that thing. Really feel the game. Oh. So, uh, speaking of Xbox backwards compatibility, when uh, when I downloaded Cuphead, uh, while I was waiting it for for it to download for a few days, um, <laughs> a few days, <laughs> uh, I went into my game list and uh, they had added a bunch of games uh, that I downloaded the Xbox Arcade from 360 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the roster's expanding quite significantly. 
Um, the question I have is they've got Xbox One and Xbox One X. Are are we seeing the sort of steam steamification of consoles where we're going to be ensured that games that we purchase on these older platforms are we're going to see in the next iteration? Um, I think Xbox is sort of committing to that. Well, and, and it's interesting if you think about when the Xbox One was announced, they were kind of saying, we're not going to do this. Yeah. You know, we've moved on. Nobody plays those old games. No, it took it took one year for them to do that after they got trounced by PlayStation. Yeah, with- but but Sony still hasn't really done all of that either. No, and Sony's kind of committed to the whole streaming games with yeah. PlayStation Now. Which, um, another subscription service is all we need in our lives. Exactly, and they're doing, you can play any game for $24 a month. Um, and you don't even download it. It's not even playing on your PlayStation. Well, we didn't put this in our notes, but EA is also, I think today or yesterday came out and said that they're looking to expand EA access to multiple platforms, not just the Xbox. So that must mean that their exclusivity is wearing out. And the reason they like the EA access program is they'll give you the base game, but they don't give you any of the DLC. So they're selling DLC for games in the vault. Now, at the end of the game, when they rotate that game out of the um, accessibility, the players are left with a bunch of DLC they purchased, but not the base game. Right. So I don't know how far this is going to go, but it's kind of, I guess they're seeing some good returns from that. I guess. Speaking of EA. Yes, EA. Battlefront 2 is uh, launching soon. It is. Uh, I've seen a bunch of stupid trailers for it. Um, and as pretty as Battlefront 1 was, I've not seen really much in line of gameplay changes that really interests me, other than the vehicle battles, which are being done by, uh, Criterion. Criterion. Well, what's left of Criterion. (laughs) Well, we can get into that in a minute. Um, but uh, it, it just seems like a another cash grab, and I know they're doing free DLC and all this. Cash grab? What do you mean? What do I mean? They do these all for charity. <laughs> I mean, well, the Star Wars license is practically I mean is, worthless. Out of and Star Wars games, Battlefront is it now. I well, mean, unless you're still playing Old Republic online. Um, pretty much. In the mobile games, Force Commander and all those. That nobody's playing those. Apparently, people are. Nobody's Not you or I, definitely. So, this is it. And to me, it just looks like another generic... I mean... It's Battlefront. Battlefront shooter. and then- So the, the differentiator here is they've moved away from a season pass model to a loot box model, which I'm sure we'll have plenty of things to talk about later. Um, but they also have introduced a single player campaign with a story that's supposedly quote unquote new canon about this Imperial unit between the end of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of The Force Awakens slash Last Jedi. Right, but this campaign that we're getting... It's like five hours, by the way. Is going to be what? It's not going to be Naughty Dog, Last of Us quality. Oh, no. And but they got some chick from True Blood to come and act as one of the Imperial officers. With a helmet I, that looks way too big on her head. I mean, so my question to you is, are you getting this day one? Nope. Really? Nope. So you're with you're where I am with on this. Well, you were the one who bought Battlefront last year. 
I did. Was and, it last year? Or two years two ago years now. Ago? Yeah. It took me until last year to buy Battlefront. And I bought it on the PC and I played it for a while. And I'm like, but now I got to play and keep playing to unlock all this stuff. And I just, I'm not going to commit that. I want a casual game where I can hop in and have some fun, blow up some rebels and stormtroopers and get out. And I, I yeah, I, I want a game where I can just get into. An I want Star game. Wars Overwatch. I don't even think we need that. We don't need the hero-based Star Wars or what was the fighting well, game? Battlefront is what a hero was the, based. the horrible fighting game. Oh, um, Karastasi. Yeah, uh, no, I don't. I want had that. that. I I had that. <laughs> I bought that game. But I'm not buying Battlefront 2. It's, it's really deep once you get into it. No, no, no the, it wasn't. The whole hero. I, I want a vehicle-based Star Wars game. I want I Battlefield want another, 1942. I want with Star Wars. I want Rogue Squadron 4 or something in that. Oh, game. you're talking like uh, okay, Rogue Squadron, Jedi something Fighter, or any of those? Yeah, those were fun. The, the rail shooters, the the Shadows of the Empire type gameplay. Well, Shadows of the Empire was like third-person adventure. It was both, platforming. but it had it had vehicle it had some, levels. Yeah, I mean, you start out at the Battle of Hoth, which was cool. Yeah, and still hard to yeah. use tow cables. And tow cables. I'm waiting for the new Star Wars because they have the new uh, Gorilla Walkers. I don't know what their acronym is. Or yeah, but they're Gorilla Walkers. I'm I'm waiting for the scene where they're like, let's use the tow cables, and then then you know it's the uh, the new orders like. We've developed anti-tow cable technology, and just it's just a pair of scissors that come out and snip it. <laughs> or yeah, there's a pipe that runs the length of it that just melts anything. That's yeah, across. yeah, something like you know. that. And, and then you know, and you called them the new order, so that would be interesting. The first order, the first order. <laughs> yeah, the British prog rock band shows up and starts singing in the movie. I would watch that. Well, so do you think? Uh, uh, Star Wars Overwatch sort of game could exist. You have the Emperor, and then you have you already ha- have it, Han Solo. I mean, we effectively already have it with Battlefront. That no, you mean they'll, you have to go get the token to be the Emperor? That no, has because two- there's a heroes only game mode. Yeah, but the heroes are not at least in Battlefront One. Yeah, they're not teamed. Well, they're not even teamed, but the gameplay of them is very basic. You no. have your normal move and a special move. And you can not, fly around like Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> or you have... Uh, <laughs> Darth Vader and his floaty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Floating. I think it would take some... I wanted... Uh, you know, we're going to get into this. I wanted to see what Visceral was doing um, yeah. with Star Wars. I wanted... You I wanted, wanted a story-driven, single-player experience. I wanted 1313. 1313. I still want that game. Yeah. I mean, I want to see the CD underside of Star Wars. I want to know about the people who don't. I, I, I get enough of Luke and Leia and Han and, and all the of Jedi the, and, and the Jedi. That, yeah. One of the reasons I liked, you know, the Old Republic was that you got to see a lot of things that weren't directly Jedi related or weren't directly. Well, the Sith were the bad guys, but I mean, you still got a, a feel for the whole universe, and there's an entire galaxy around Star right. Wars, far, far away. A long time ago. And it was a very long time ago, so there's plenty of, of space to play in there. But apparently, EA has decided, after the failure of Mass Effect Andromeda, that single-player-focused games are not worth the investment. It's funny that you mentioned Mass Effect. 
Is it? Yeah. Uh, you, you already know this, Sean, but the creative director of Dragon Age left Bioware. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Who's left at Bioware? So the team that's left, I think, are all on Anthem. So Casey Hudson came back, and he was big on Mass Effect, right? He was a director for the original trilogy. Um, they're all focused on Anthem. You mean Destiny, EA's Destiny. EA Destiny, yeah. Which, you know, it could be a wonderful game when we get there. I'm not holding out hope. Because I actually have Destiny, and I like Destiny. I don't know that I need another Destiny. And, and it's funny, I know I said we need a Star Wars Overwatch. I have Overwatch. I don't need another Overwatch. Right. You know, I don't need Battleborn, apparently. Because that's no longer a yeah, thing either. It's never been a thing. <laughs> it was never a thing. Yeah, that was the one I bought day one, the week before Overwatch came out. And invested in the season pass for and then they went free to play. Made me feel great. Uh, and you're like, this Overwatch thing, I don't know about no, that. No, <laughs> I knew Overwatch was going to succeed, but I just looked at Overwatch and I'm like, it's just TF2. It is. Yep. You know, and I've been playing TF2 for over a decade. But, um, no, the Dragon Age director left. Their lead writer is gone. David Guider is gone. Um, so, who's left on Dragon Age? And, and they haven't even announced officially the next dragon age game but we all know it's in work right so are we going to get another mass effect my theory and we talked a little bit about this before the show is that they were hoping that mass infected Andromeda would give the b team enough experience that they could take over the dragon age series while the a players in the studio focused on anthem i'm now wondering if there's any a players left in the studio Bioware, as you said, is dead. There is no Bioware anymore. There's no Visceral anymore. There's no Criterion anymore? There's no Criterion anymore. All of these studios that had these unique perspectives and and were really good at certain types of games, under the EA Monopoly, have basically been destroyed. The only studio that has fared well under EA is um, DICE. Yeah. Because they're Battlefront or Battlefield. Yeah. That's it. That's all they do. Well, yeah. And that's a good, that's a game they can come out with the same every few years. And, and now we're looping. You know, <laughs> where Battlefront is starting to go backwards and it's right. going back to its roots, which was World War II. We had Battlefront 1. Now we're moving towards, or Battlefield 1. Sorry. Right. I hate that they're so close name wise. And they have exactly the same gameplay. Um, yeah, Criterion was one of those studios. That was one of my favorite studios. They did racing games really well. Like oh, yeah. Burnout series, Burnout Paradise. And even when they, they got under the banner of Need for Speed, which EA owned, mm-hmm. and they took that over. Well, there's a new Need for Speed out. Too. They did a good job with that. But what EA wanted was a Need for Speed every year. Um, yeah. And so... In their effort to make things different, they did uh, Hot Pursuit, which is, if you've never played Need for <laughs> Speed, Hot Pursuit that came out in the early, late 2000s, might have been 2010, you've got to play it. It's fantastic. It game. is a great game. Um, then they came out with Most Wanted, which was basically the spiritual successor to Burnout Paradise, which was great. Um, although they tried to make it serious with a theme and 
need for it should have just been burnout. Um, yeah, my favorite memories of burnout are the crash mode. Yeah, and, and they never made another burnout after they did Paradise. They did the open world. They never brought back a traditional burnout where you're just exploding stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then gamers have moved on. It's, they're more sophisticated than we were. Jared. I guess. Um, Millennials yeah. killed burnout. I'll just say it now. You know what? You're right. They did. Just like they uh, protests have stopped people from buying pizza. Well, did you know NFL. arcade games are dead now too? Um, no. Arcade arcade games were killed by baby boomers. No, no, no. They're dead officially. Housemark announced today uh, at this publication of this podcast is they are leaving the arcade genre. Uh, Housemark are the people that brought you Super Stardust, Next Machina, um, Resogun, um, Matterfall. They, See, we've seen a resurgence in arcades. Nope. They, they said even though their games are critically lauded, sales aren't there. Well, if you want me to pay $15,000 for an arcade game, no. Their games are reasonable. <laughs> They're usually $15. No, no, no. I'm talking about the cabinets. I'm not talking... I'm oh, talking true arcades. Yeah, true arcades. I'm not talking like arcade-style downloadable games. That's what I was talking. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the death of the actual arcade. I'm talking about the death of the arcade genre hmm. of games. Well, we'll see. It's dead. Millennials killed it. They want their open world forever games. Their overwatches with their loot boxes. And their breaths of the wilds. You know, just playing a game repeatedly to get good at it is no longer fun. Not without microtransactions. You need microtransactions. I mean, that's the new season pass. So... Sean, I got something for you. What's that? You are going to love this. You, I don't know, fans of the show. Raspberry Pi? Sean actually bought a Nintendo Switch. Yes. He posted this on Facebook the other day, and even his close friends were like, you bought a Switch? He's like, yeah, I bought a Switch. Um, <laughs> you jumped on the gun too soon, man, because there is a Nintendo Switch uh, knockoff uh-huh. that has a Raspberry Pi in it that can play all the retro games. I can build that. I have I have a Raspberry Pi at home. So build it. I this will go back to the <laughs> statistics about how people play the Switch, right? Yeah. They Did we actually play... have that in here? We no, don't. We'll have to add that. Which is you know Nintendo released usage statistics for the Switch about how people use it, and so there's really three modes in this statistic. Which is one is they use it connected to a TV at all times. The other one is they use some combination of the two, which is the majority. And then the third category is that they're largely untethered. They use it in kickstand mode or in handheld mode. Yep. Uh, that's cool. I don't understand why anybody would play a Switch in handheld mode. I just, I have not found the right game that's, to that's make me want to do That's why you don't get that. it. And that's why the Wii U failed. They, they are tapping into something. They're, they're, they're satisfying you. Mm-hmm. Who can play in table or in TV mode? Right. But then there's a whole set of people that want to play Mario on their couch or in their beds or on the bus or on the train or on the plane. And I understand that conceptually, but I live in Columbus, Ohio, and when I'm commuting, I'm driving. I'm not sitting on a train there's or a bus. But that's the thing that I I tried to get a. So this this is really a discussion that if our podcast launched three or four years ago, I would really want to have with you. And that was the whole debate about handheld gaming versus console gaming. Yeah. 
the DSs versus the PlayStations, right? I had I had several, I don't want to say arguments, but conversations about, you know, I really love my 3DS. My 3DS is probably the most played, played game console that I have. Mine's my PS4, other than my PC. Right. So, I mean, I play my 3DS all the time. Um, and there are tons of great games for DS, for Game Boy, that oh yeah absolutely people have never played because they're so and i'm not saying that you are tethered they're so they're so anti playing on a smaller screen they want to play a console game and the experience they get playing on a small screen uh doesn't satisfy them so there's some obstacles to small screen gaming oh yeah there's limitations for sure not just power not just battery life which are two big issues um the other one is screen size i mean look at the size of cell phones real estate right Right. it's not it's not the size of the screen it's how you use on the screen and that was the that's how you could tell a good game boy game from a bad game boy game when they came out yeah there were certain games that use the screen if you remember whoever says the original super mario land was a good game is wrong (laughs) <laughs> because Mario was the size of about four pixels. Yeah, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see anything. And then Super Mario Land 2 learned from that, and he took up a good portion of the screen. Yep. And they scaled everything. You know, they kind of zoomed in on the action, so to speak. Well, again, yeah, I think you're you're pretty much hitting my point, which is without the right res and upscale right. or zoom from a perspective of what your viewable area is, the mobile gaming platforms are hit or miss. Um, now, I'm not saying that that's true with the Switch, and it really, to some extent, wasn't even true with the Wii U, right? It, but the Wii U had problems in that you couldn't read. If you took the full screen console stuff, like a bad one was, you know, Xenosaga, or not Xenosaga. Um, well, the resolution was different and compressed. The image was right. compressed. Yeah. Um, the, so you couldn't read text. Right. So something that looked fine on a 40-inch TV was unreadable on an 8-inch LCD. Right. The Wii U had that challenge technologically, and it was right there at that hybrid point in the technology space. the Wii U was never a handheld, primarily. But it It was meant to be. It was meant that if your mom and dad were watching something on the TV, you could just pick up the Wii U gamepad and play your game. Right. I think it was needed to get to the Switch, but I'm talking... Let's take the Wii U out of the equation, right? I don't want to... What we're talking about right now. I'm talking... Let's talk 3DS, DS. Okay. The dedicated I'll remote. Even, I'll even bring up... The Vita? The Vita. Which is over on my side of the table. Yeah, the Vita. Um, I'm talking about that. Well, and you know, I was a PSP owner. Yes, I owned two were. of them. You did. And there were some great games on the PSP that I loved playing. But I just my lifestyle didn't ever really fit it. And that's really what it comes down to for me. Well, the other thing was people didn't like to play on their handhelds when they're at home, when they have a console. Yeah. Right. I didn't mind that. I don't have to look at the TV. I can look down. It never bothered me as a gamer. And, Mm -hmm. but you're the game boy generation. Uh, yeah, I guess technically, I mean, game boy colors were in wide distribution when you were growing up. Right. But I, the people I'm, referencing in this conversation were my generation they were grew up with me and so so i wasn't right yeah, yeah you're not yeah i guess you're different <laughs> you think atari games are good so i do no they're not adventure is awesome adventure is the only one how it many times better. do you get to kill a duck 
giant fire breathing duck. I guess what my point is with this tangent of a tangent was the switch is tapping into both, right? I think that's true. They're taking your criticisms of fidelity and draw distance and all that because the screen is just shrunken down. Yeah. Uh, It's big enough where you can basically scale an HD image down. Mm -hmm. And And it looks more crisp, actually. You're not losing much. Right. Um, And so when you're talking about the, the demographics of how people are playing it, they are tapping into that crowd that doesn't mind playing in a handheld. Well, and, and to be fair, it has to be the right game. Right. So Mario Rabbids, I have played without hooking it up to a TV. That works for me, right? Because it's a strategy game. It's, it's simple. simple. It's turn-based. And, you know, the visual graphics look great, but I don't need it to be big. Right. Mario, I'm not sure I can play. Odyssey, I, I'm not sure I can play on the handheld. It was um, difficult. I, I did do it a little bit, and I guess we're going to lead into our... Well, we'll talk about that. We're talking about a lot. We get a lot of tangents. We get a lot of tangents. And we're just talking tonight. We're just talking. We've been gone for a few weeks. You get like three hours from us. Yeah, sorry. Sure um, all right. um, but yeah, there's certain things with the handheld where it's just not intuitive. Yeah, um, Splatoon. I have trouble with the Splatoon in handheld mode. But I guess... The point I was going to was, even though Nintendo hasn't officially killed off the 3DS, what this means is all those teams making really good handheld handheld games, mm-hmm. some really creative ideas um, for handheld, some of the 2D platformers, some of that stuff, they're all going to be on one system now. Oh, yeah. There's the convergence is coming. Right. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. You're going to have one platform for a ton of games a ton of choice. Yeah, um, I agree. Sp- speaking of that, uh, we got a couple games coming out for Switch soon. Um, actually, there's it's it's been pretty solid release timing. Mm-hmm. Um, v V V V V V is coming out. Right. Uh, that's from Terry Cavanaugh. If you've never played it, we've talked about it before. You need to download it. I recommend it. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's a puzzle platformer. The the soundtrack's great. It's gravity bending. You basically choose whether you want to walk on the ceiling or walk on the ground. And everything is based on that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocket League is also coming to Switch sooner than we thought. Yeah, that November was surprising, 14th. actually. Um, and again, if you haven't checked out Rocket League, it, and it's going to be cross-platform. Now, Rocket League's one of those that I have to think about whether I could play that handheld. Or in I, kickstand I mode. I think that's possible. Yeah, I mean, you don't... It's it's the speed, the motion that's going to be a problem for me. Yeah. And it is cut down frame, wi- uh, frame rate ways. Yeah, ways. they adjust it. Yeah. But that's um, exciting. Doom and Skyrim are coming out this month. Skyrim? Really? <laughs> game of the year, right there. For Switch? For the Switch. Switch edition? Switch is game, be game of, the of the year. You get to use the Master Sword and dress up like Link. It already won. So you've got a very wide array of games coming out. Um, moving on, Sony had a press conference. What was it Paris? Paris, games? yeah, Paris um, Games Conference, and they released a bunch of trailers and a few more announcements. Yeah, well, the big thing that they said about this was that there were seven announcements they were going to make that had never been announced previously, which was mostly true. Uh, it was mostly true, and most of it had to do with their VR platform. So the which press conference itself still pushing. The press conference itself didn't talk a lot about VR. But there was a pre-show where they basically released like 17 VR games as, as kind of telling people they were coming. I 
I'm with you. They they keep trying to make it happen. I'm I'm not sure that it can. I th- I was expecting like an update to the hardware this year, and they just lowered the price, which is fine. You know, the P- PlayStation Four Pro is a good platform. Yeah. The place the PlayStation and the Xbox One are both going to be under. They're going to be two hundred dollars this holiday season for the S and the basic yeah. PS4. Yeah. Um. Part of those announcements, they showed off more of the new Spider-Man We're game. We're finally getting to see more of the Spider-Man game. And it's it's shaping up. I'm excited about it. You know what we didn't have in our notes? We left one off. What? Sucker Punch's new game. What's that? The Samurai game. I didn't see that. Oh, you didn't see that. Okay. So they, it looks like Sucker Punch has got this really cool, um, no era-appropriate samurai story game. Like, kind of uh, open world, but... okay. Uh, you're walking around as a samurai and doing missions and stuff. It, it looks interesting. Okay. Not like Neo. It's not, yeah. you know, Dark Souls style or Tenchu stealth assassin or anything like that. Um, it seems like it's going to be this dramatic story about an era in Japanese history with, you know, this, the samurai who's going around and dealing with issues. Interesting. So, um, but it's sucker punch. So it's already got my attention, right? Yeah. These same people who did infamous. Yeah. It's um, been a while since we've seen anything from them, too. Yeah. Yeah. But so that was one of the big announcements that nobody saw coming. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man, obviously, we've known about for two years now. And it's coming next year, apparently. One of the things they announced, I don't know if you saw this, you'll get to play as MJ. Mary Jean? Yeah. Why? Because it's story-driven. There's a part of the story where you need to be Mary Jane. And they had, did introduce in the trailer that Miles Morales is in it. That was the more exciting of the two announcements. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if they're going to do, since they're introducing Miles, and this is like a standalone game universe, Yep. if they're going to make a transition from Peter to Miles in the story. Well, it could be interesting. Um, I mean, it's not following any traditional continuity, so they're they've doing, got freedom to do what they want to do. They're doing Arkham, the Arkham formula. Yeah, which yep. is pretty cool. Uh, Splunky 2 was announced. Yes, I saw that too. That looks fun. Out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was ever expecting a, a sequel to that game. Um, a lot of people consider it one of the perfect in- indie games. It's one of the roguelikes we've talked a lot of about fun. before. It's really hard, It's and it's really well designed. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. We didn't see any gameplay. Um, no, but it looks like it has something to do with the main character, Splunky, and his daughter. Yeah. So. Yeah, story-wise, I mean, there's not much narrative in Splunky. No. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they iterate on that formula and make it different because they, they're obviously not going to do the same thing. True, true. Um, and then we get the uh, visual update speaking, for... Speaking of doing things the same way, yeah, sure. uh, Shadow of the Colossus. 4K HD. Wow. And the trailer looked fantastic. And it's and funny, I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I know exactly what this is. The second it showed, the one thing I will say is that it looks like there's a little bit more color in the world. Yeah, well, I think that was a a, a side effect of PS2 graphics. I always thought it was a thematic choice. Because when you look at, like, yeah, um, what was the, the Dog Griffin game that they just released last year that I didn't play? Oh, Last Guardian. Last Guardian. It had that same kind of washed out gray and brown. And yeah. This one looks like, I mean, it's a well, remake. This isn't, this isn't done by the same studio. This is a different studio doing the remake. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it looks, I mean, and it looks like they're staying pretty true to the formula. It doesn't look like they're adding a much. 
I don't think there's going to be filler where you're hacking slashing enemies between Mm-mm. Colossi. Um, no, they're definitely not changing the gameplay. It's it's still the same puzzle based. You're fighting these giant Colossi. You have to figure out how to defeat them and the tactics. And right. Uh, hopefully, there's enough variety that if you played through the original game, you can play through it again. Because now anybody who's a PS Plus subscriber and has been for a while has a copy of the HD upgrade mm-hmm. um, already into their game library. So it, it, they have to mix, mix things up a little bit. Yeah. Or have some new Colossi. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, oh. So last... we get into the AAA. Before we get into this next one, Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but they had another trailer for Detroit. Oh, the uh, David, what's da- his name? Um, Cross, no. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that did... Um, Cage, David Cage. Yeah, David Cage. The guy that did... Uh, uh, what was it? Ap- Beyond Two Souls. He did uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, He did... What was the other one? The one that... Uh, the one with Sean and Jason. Yeah. <laughs> the kidnap game. Yeah. The, hey, you're a horrible parent no matter what your choice is game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see the new trailer. Any thoughts on that? Um, it, it basically played into the idea that you really do have a lot more branching choices, but it's still a branching narrative game. It's Dragon's Lair 2018. Yeah. I mean, just keep that in mind. And Cage has a habit of having really interesting ideas and then completely failing in the third act. Yeah. Not fully kind of seeing them through. Uh, and, And not like he doesn't know where it's going. It's like, it goes completely to the left and then jumps off a cliff and then asks you to swim with dolphins. And yeah. you're like, but I was playing Tetris. <laughs> Open world Tetris game. <laughs> but anyway, so the big triple a announcements, obviously there was a little bit more about God of war too. Well, God of war also, but the big, big, big trailer reveal was for last of us part two. And here's what I think. I think that they're playing a bait and switch with us by showing us Ellie. And then this trailer had nothing to do with Joel and Ellie. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, the first trailer that they showed, what was it, last year at the Sony Expo or whatever? Yeah. It was not a gameplay. It was sort of narrative showing Joel and Ellie years, a couple years later after the first game. Um, not to be seen in this one. And no. it was this one was just depressing it was hard to watch yeah i mean and i'm not against violence but oh my god the the first thing you see is somebody getting strung up to get hung and there seems to be this cult aspect to it and then there's somebody who comes in and tries to not effectively save them but to disrupt whatever's going on right and they catch this woman hold her down and then break her elbow with a hammer and I'm just like, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to go into that world. <laughs> you know, life is is hard enough sometimes. And I don't think I want to have anything to do with this. Yeah. And, yeah. and so was one of the stressful aspects of uh, Last of Us was there were this, this just, hey, let's show you some really horrible people. And we're going to just, you know, torture you for a while before you can actually get your revenge on them. Or um, here's a character that you barely know that slowly is going to fall into this horrible situation. Yeah. And at the end, you actually have to kill them. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, that's common in zombie movies too, but that was part of the, what last of us when I'm, and I didn't play through it. You've played through it multiple times, right? Mm -hmm. 
I, I couldn't do it. I, I just, I love the characters. I love the story. The, but, the great thing about Last of Us is that those moments do exist, but they are not like The Walking Dead in terms of how often they happen. Well, that's good. Right. I mean, it's it's a survival game, and most of the tension is just trying to get from point to A to point B. Um, but, but I think you need to summarize that video with what you put in the show notes. Yeah. So I described Last of Us Part 2, uh, Last of Us Part 2, subtitle, Depressing World Simulator, Murderscape, Stabville, Incorporated District of Tortureville. It's just, it just doesn't look, I mean, I will probably play it. I love the first one. I love that story. Um, and I'll watch you play it because I love watching that story. Yeah. I can't, I can't interact it's, with it. It's, it's not chill. It's no. not chill. You're, you're on edge the entire time. Your nerves are shot. There's um, enough stressful stuff in my life that yeah. being worried about the life of these people in this horrible world. Yeah. And it doesn't let up. That's the thing. It's just. Yeah. Um, but Onto speak, something cheerier. Let's speak about something very cheery <laughs> and something very chill. Mario Odyssey came out. Super yes, Mario Odyssey came out. It, it came out this year, the same year as the Switch, the same year as Breath of the Wild. And. Sean says it's his favorite 3D platformer. I would say it's pretty close. Yeah, for a pure Mario game, I think it's probably the best Mario game they've put out. Yeah. Um, it's this natural evolution of 3D platformers. As I, I we were talking earlier, I think it's kind of the best version of Mario 64 ever made. And, and we went back and forth a little bit about how it's not quite Mario 64. Yeah. But that, I think, was a technological limitation previously. I think it's... Like you said, it's an evolution. There is element of every 3D Mario in this game to some degree. Well, and, and then and I there even is, joked. There, there are elements of Super Mario Maker in it. There are elements of uh, the Galaxy games yeah. present. It there, feels a lot like Galaxy. And there are elements of Sunshine in there. And, I mean, the, it's really, really interesting the design choice they had because they really went... And interviews, they said they did not talk to the Breath of the Wild team in development. They were completely separate during development. But there are hints of Breath of the Wild in this game in the aspect of you. your objective is A to B or go mm-hmm. find this thing or do this. And you'll be like, ooh, what's that over there? Ooh, what's yeah, there's shiny there? distractions all over the place. There are distractions. And they're fun. And they're all different. I there You... How do I say And this? I'd say you, if you're somebody who just plays a demo at like Best Buy or something yeah. like that, and you're just getting into like the Sand Kingdom, and you're thinking, well, uh, this is kind of dull and boring. Um, now, Jared's finished the game. I haven't gotten that far yet because I haven't had time. Or the will, frankly, because I don't think it's that long. I think it's just about pushing through it. Yeah. Um, don't judge the game at all by the first level. I, don't judge it by videos you've seen. You've got to play it. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that you have to experience in the moment. A lot of people were watching videos of certain things that happen in the game. They're saying, "Oh, that's all that happens." You, a lot of the game builds up to yes. those things, um, and well, when they do happen, it's it's more of a. It may not even be a game. You're just experiencing something hilarious or fun. Um, and I'll go so far as to say. If you recall, when we originally talked about the Switch in the first few episodes of the podcast, right. when, you know, that's all Jared would talk about. That's all he talked about. Um, I would say that, you know, there was not a system seller for me. 
because Breath of the Wild was available on the Wii U. I owned a Wii U. You were one of the few, but you did. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no, there's no incentive for me, right? It, it may have been Breath of the Wild if it hadn't been available on the Wii U. Right. Odyssey is a system seller. This is the incentive next to having another version of Skyrim that got me to purchase the Switch. It really was. It's like, okay, now we're at the point. We got Splatoon 2. Um, I picked up Mario Rabbids because I like XCOM, and it's Mario XCOM. Um, and I was waiting for Odyssey to come out, and I'm waiting for Xenosaga. Right. Um, but here it is. It's It's here, and it's a completely approachable game. In fact... I think that to, to encapsulate my perspective on it, other than being a system seller, it is the most laid-back, stress-free Mario you'll ever play. Yeah, the game does not penalize you... For anything. Really, for anything. You die, you lose 10 coins. Coins are so abundant in this game that you're yeah. going to make up those 10 coins right after you die. Unless um, you don't want to pick up coins. Right, which they're everywhere. Um, and... There's yeah, there's no penalty for everything. If you if you decide you want to do something else, it doesn't penalize you. There, if you don't want to complete the main mission in a certain world, once you get a certain number of moons, and there are plenty of them, yeah, you can just go into the next kingdom. You don't have to beat the boss. You don't have to finish the narrative of the story. You just, you just go on. refill your ship and move take on. off. Yeah, and you can come back to those worlds at, at any point once you've. Uh, and actually there's that's another thing there's a lot of replayability in each of the levels well and i'll also speak without giving away any spoilers um once you get to the credits um a whole new kingdom opens up out of nowhere um (laughs) and there are other kingdoms to unlock and there's more moons added to the world and it doesn't end so this is another one of the situations where i think nintendo could have missed the boat as far as dlc Right. So, I was talking about that too. So we've got Zelda and Mario within the, the, Switch the same year in March. Yeah, right within the first six months. Yeah. Uh, we've got Mario and Zelda. That's uh, never happened before, and they're both phenomenal games. Sean and I were talking about which one's game of the year material. They they both could potentially win it. Um, I think it's going to depend on the game style that people prefer. Um, you've got a very, and for me, I think game. it probably falls more on breath of the wild. Yeah. Just because that's more my style than a yeah. platformer. And that's my style too. But, uh, you know, with a lot of the 3d platformer resurgence that people are trying yeah. to force with ukulele and a couple others, um, Nintendo says, no, don't even try because you guys don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, Mario Odyssey is just so much different and so much fun. And in 2017, they're showing us there are things that nobody even else thought of. Well, in my other game of the year candidate, which is not on a Nintendo platform, is effectively Breath of the Wild with robot dinosaurs. Yeah, and Horizon Zero Dawn, (laughs) which launched in March, which seems like forever ago. Yeah, we've had Um, a great year for games. It's been a fantastic year for games. Um. But on the Mario Odyssey front, front you mentioned DLC. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I, next year, they've announced a few games for Switch. They've announced like a Yoshi game and a Kirby game. And those aren't the Marios or the Zeldas. Those are little games that are fun that have their own mm-hmm. demographic, but they're not huge. We don't know what next year's huge thing is. I'm, it's got to be a Star Fox game or I, I think an F-Zero. Prime. 
Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime 4, we know about. I think that's coming out next year. Yeah. Um, because Nintendo rarely announces games past a year in advance. So. Makes sense. I think that's going to be the Which next Which is going to make both again, of us happy. Metroid's not a huge system seller either. It's not a huge demographic. The Mario and the Zeldas sell, like, money. Well, that's Donkey, true. Donkey Kong Country sells more than Metroids do. Um, hmm. Which, that's a fun fact that I learned recently. Yeah, it's um, weird. It, it's not intuitive, but... I mean, maybe we get another Smash next year. I think Smash is also on the list, but... Or Mario um, Kart. No, we've already got I Mario Kart I think we're going to get DLC for Mario Odyssey. I, I think they launched this so early that they can hold off for a while. They're not going to do the... Uh, DLC announcement before the game launches like they did with Breath of the Wild. Which made everybody mad. I think they've got six months where they don't have to do anything. And then in six months... Maybe they'll do the Year of Luigi with Mario... Super Mario... Or Super Luigi Odyssey. And have some new kingdoms. Well, Luigi's... I I haven't run into him yet. He's not in the game. He's not in the game. So, that's what... I don't know. Um, But I see them adding content to Mario Odyssey based on just how quickly it's selling... And again, they could do a Super Mario Galaxy two uh, in a couple years. Yeah, they they've launched this so early. We're gonna definitely see another Mario game. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. Cool. But, All right. Um. So, Sean. Yes. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm kind of relaxed, kind of chill. How about you? I'm chill. You should chill. Just chill, man. I'm chill. Welcome back to signs, cosines. For our main topic this week, we're going to talk bags. about centering ourselves with games. Chill games. Sometimes a game isn't just about explosions. Or challenges. Or even challenge. It's just about being. Zen. I don't know how zen that is. Well, I mean, it's just... It's, See, we just broke out of character. This We can't do this. We can't do this show. <laughs> so, no, yeah, go ahead. So we wanted to talk about just, you know, we were talking about Mario Odyssey, um, which is pretty chill. I mean, it's not a I mean, chill game. It's pretty chill. There's not much penalty, but there are games that are total chill. Well, and one of which is, ironically, you when we were talking about um, Stardew Valley. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, I started playing Stardew Valley. And what was your response to that? Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sean, Stardew Valley is not a game, Sean. It's the anti-Sean game. <laughs> it's got everything Sean hates. It's got fishing. It's got collecting. It's got crafting. It's yep. got building things. It, it's it's totally against everything Sean stands for. Um, did you seriously start playing it? Yeah. No way. Yeah. I thought that was a joke. No. No, I installed it and started playing it. Um, Yeah, because right before Mario launched a couple weeks ago, Stardew Valley came out for the Switch. It's been out for a year, but uh, I picked it up on the Switch because, you know, it's easy to play. In and I'm hand- playing it on PC. That but- handheld mode that, uh, yeah. you know, Sean can't really take. Um, But it it's very methodical. You get up, you water plants. Yeah, harvest plants. It's like the Farmville games. It is. And I never got it. 
I, I still don't get it really. And I played a lot of Animal Crossing too, which isn't which is similar. It is very similar, but they're all just about being. Yeah. And you've got and you kind of define your own tasks that you can, you can do. You and... can do whatever you want. You can spend most of your time fishing, or you can spend most of your time mining things. Um, you know, part of the part of the game for me is it's it's just relaxing. It's you don't have to think. You just get into it. It's it's sort of like you're doing something, and your brain is active, but your brain's also shutting off because it's just going through the motions. And um, I think the probably the closest game that I've spent a lot of time on that's like that has to either be Minecraft or No Man's Sky. Yeah, Minecraft was is very that's how I played it, right? You can play it and have an objective of building Yeah, just put it in peace mode or creative mode. I I always play in creative mode, which some people will probably just say that's not how you play Minecraft, but it gives me that option, right? That's why it's there. Mm-hmm. You can play it how you want to play it and you can just zone out. Um other games that we put on our list here were Journey um, completely just relaxing game which we've never talked about on on this podcast that's also one of my favorite games um it's an experience yes yeah. it's, it's 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 literally a journey um it tells a a story without a spoken word um has a fantastic soundtrack and there's not really much difficulty there. Any of the games we've listed here, there's not much difficulty. No, and, and even when you do fail, you're not penalized greatly. It, it's more about exploration and just kind of... Well, and, I, and I put this down as something I thought would be important. Sometimes passing time in a game is just about passing time. Right. It's about not thinking about those things in your life that are stressing you out. Are you going, you're, you're working 60 hours next week or, you know, you're worried about paying your gas bill or your, your tires are bald on your car and you have to figure out how it, when they're going to blow while you're driving them. I mean, those are all stressful events in people's lives where your kids are growing up and you got to get them to 16 soccer games next week. Uh, this is a situation where when we talk about most people in, in, in gaming and their interaction with video games, we, we see kind of a, a, a diversity of experiences. The ones that get all the attention, and, and honestly, the ones we spent the most time talking about on this podcast, are those games that it, you know are action-driven or story-driven. Things are dynamically changed, or the character evolves, and things explode. And you have to focus on how you're interacting. And it's all about world. conflict with the universe. Right. Right? Or with an adversary. The chill game... And there's some importance in making sure you schedule some chill gaming time, quite frankly. is is a, For me, when I find one of those games and they take some of my life away from me, because my time's valuable, um, but sometimes it's best to spend your time doing nothing. And that doesn't mean the time's not fruitful, or the game doesn't reward you for investing time. It just means that there's not that impetus, and not that monkey on your shoulder, well, I like the way you phrased it, N- not a conflict with the universe, which is something we don't get to experience in real life. And <laughs> right. We're always we struggling. to play those other games. It's something we're, we're focused on. And just removing conflict can have a real sort of re- repair effect on the mind and kind of a restoration effect. Yeah. You know, we, we mentioned meditation here and that really it is a form of meditation. Um, Maybe not as much as literally trying to shut off your mind, but you're, like I said, you're kind of 
shutting your mind off through just normal repetitive action. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as we rail on them, mobile games fill in this uh, genre as well, like the the Farmvilles or whatever else is out there where you're just doing repetitive things. Yeah, and, well, the SimCity mobile yeah. game is like that. Yeah. You know, or The Sims. The Sims, yeah. Again, you can choose how to play that game how you want. You just go around talking to people, petting your dog, and putting on clothes. And and you can set objectives for each of those individual people and then try to achieve them. Or, not. or you can turn it all off and just build a nice house. Or you can build your, you know, your husband who cheated on you in a shed with no doors and he just dies. Well, that's classic that Sims behavior. Yeah. Um, or put him in a pool and take away the ladder. Right. Uh, an older game I listed on this list was uh, Katamari Damacy. Yep. Um, if you've never played that. Which is quirky and fun. You wouldn't necessarily think of it as relaxing. Yeah. But just if you let your mind go and go, okay, I need to pick up smaller things with my ball until I get enough mass to pick up bigger things. And you're just focusing on rolling around and... You have to you have to zone out for that game a little bit. To... Yeah. Um, so we didn't really have much to talk about other than chill games, other than they're, they're a good thing to have. And there's, there's you should schedule some time in your life for that. Yeah. And, and as much as we brought up no man's sky, a lot of people were disappointed with the game. You know, Sean and I, Sean and I found that as something completely different. It's just something to go and walk around and look at stuff. And Um, and in the early days, the biodiversity was kind of laughable and, yeah. You know, the the struggle for survival could be a problem. But at this point in its development as a game, you could just go out there in your spaceship as long as you're collecting the resources you need to fly. Right. And just go see things. Yep. And take photos of your ship. And and, and you go visit aliens and learn words. And again, there is an elephant, ele- element of conflict. You can get into gunfights. You can get into starship battles. If you want them. But the thing that I did, especially early on in No Man's Sky, I put my headphones on and just kind of zoned out and just traveled. I avoided getting into my ship all the time and flying all over the place. Because back then it wasn't as easy as it is now. Right. So if I wanted to go find a deposit of something I needed to metal or something, I would just walk. And it's real-time walking. I mean, your character isn't, you know, fast-traveling. I mean, in, in, and I jokingly said this as we were putting the list together because I haven't mentioned Skyrim in about three and a half minutes. Yeah, Skyrim can be played that way. I actually sure. think Morrowind is a much better chill game than Skyrim. Okay. Skyrim. Morrowind is more about discovery. And really, Oblivion has some elements of it too, but there's a, a pending quest and you've got all of the stuff that's going on. Morrowind was the last one of those games where you could just kind of set out and do your own thing and... The people there don't really care that you're there, and you'll find strange stuff. Now, you're still killing people and monsters and all that, but you can have a lot of fun just roaming. Right. Um, And there's some open-world games and some massively multiplayer games that are like that, too. But I guess the, the, the root of it really comes down to if you are having an incredibly stressful day, the best solution we always joke about is I'm going to go kill something. It's actually not the best solution. Take a few minutes and load up one of these games. Go, you'll find yourself, if you're somebody who played Minecraft, 
put it in creative mode and just walk around for a while. Right. You'll figure out that if you're not the type who gets immediately bored because you're an adrenaline junkie, if you're, you know, at that point where you really want to relax, these games will just offer you that escape. Yeah. With no penalty. Yep. You can just, again, they kind of just let you have free will over the game universe. Um, you can choose if there's conflict. You can choose if you want to have an objective. You can choose if you want to abandon your objective. Yeah. You, you can choose if you want to set your objective on fire that you... And if you have the ability to put on your headphones, all of these games have amazing soundtracks. Yeah, that was something that we also mentioned is uh, Stardew Valley, which is what you heard in the interlude there, was it just has a very... And it changes in seasons, and the music changes appropriately to the seasons. And the track I played is my favorite one. It's when you, it's the first song of fall. Mm-hmm. You know, the world's sort of winding down. Um, you know, you know, the hustle and bustle of summer. <laughs> and, um, you know, just a rainy day in fall, like today when we're recording this, you know, you just, yeah, it's kind of gray and hazy and, you know, the rain falling on the walls and, and windows can, Add this white noise to your life that kind of cuts down on the chaos. Yeah. So yeah. that's our main topic. We want to know what your chill game is. If there's something on our list we mentioned, if there's a game that maybe doesn't really classify as a chill game, but you treat it as such, we want to hear from you. All s- and, and even to go more broadly than that, what when you're having a stressful day, yeah. what do you do? What do you do? How, do, how does gaming help you through that? Does gaming help you through it? Have you considered that? You know, is this a form of, you know, group therapy for us to help everybody realize that these options are here? Because your tri- typical AAA game may be what you need. You may want to go in and fight, you know, three or four rounds of Overwatch. Personally, I find that stressful. Because I think it depends on the day. Some days that that's really rewarding, and there are other days where that's... Just adding to your stress level of having to deal with that. So we'd love um, to hear from all of you. We would love to hear your feedback on this. So, all right. Um, going from one thing that's less chill. Let's go to something that's really, really kind of grinds our gears. Grinds our gears. You might call it one dumb thing. I would. Yeah. So Jared, this is your one dumb thing, but yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly on this one. So I don't know how we get into this, but. Um, well, I it, can introduce it really quickly with the story about Star Wars Battlefront 2. It, it's just reading about all these multiplayer games, right? Multiplayer games are lasting longer. We have Overwatch, where everybody's competing with Overwatch. But there's one consistent trait of all these games. Loot boxes. Yeah. You gotta get your loot. Um, this is how you unlock things in the game. Some, like Overwatch, are purely cosmetic. Um, there are other games where you get weapon upgrades. If we talk about Borderlands or things like that, mm-hmm. um, your loot is how you, you know, oh, I really want a gun that. Well, and as we talked about with Star Wars Battlefront 2 earlier, you know, the rewards for completing a mission or a map, you would win loot boxes. And there's even, there's even loot boxes in Destiny 2. There are? Yes. They're ingrams. They're loot ingrams, basically. Um, they're random. You buy them with silver. I mean, it, there's a monetary microtransaction base built around all of these things. And we're seeing more and more of it. And actually, EA's took some feedback from the Star Wars Battlefront beta and said, oh, well, you know, originally the 
special drops, the epic star cards were only available through a loot box. And they didn't drop randomly. You had to buy them. And they've now backed off and gone, oh, well, we don't want it to, you know, it's not pay to, to pay to win. So we're going to not do that. If you that. grind 60 hours, you might get one. Well, this is why I stopped playing Battlefront, yeah. the original. I don't have the time to invest. But but we've seen it also happen in a lot of the free-to-play MMOs. So, you know, ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, has loot boxes, and they're seasonal. And they, again, are mostly cosmetic things. It's clothes and, you know, mounts and pets and stuff like that. But you know what? They've gotten a bunch of my money for that stuff because I want those things. You know, I want some way to earn it. And there's some you can earn through the story, but there's always special ones in the store. And they've moved away from, I want to buy that special horse to, I want to buy a chance to, get to maybe get that special yeah, horse. And that's the difference. And that's, it's, it's, and it's become gambling. It is. It's, it's an, it's another form of gambling. Um, and it preys on people's addictions and reward centers. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like in, in slot machines, when they think you're not having fun, they do out a few more loot boxes there, you know, to give you a, oh, you know what? Here's, here's a couple free ones. Uh, oh, oh, there's a couple good things in there. Imagine if you paid. Um, and I, I've fallen prey to that in Overwatch and been disappointed. Um, and I've I mean, done it with like the holiday skins. Yeah, exactly. When the holiday events happen, you want to pay because you don't have the time to play 70 hours that week or whenever yeah. that event's going on. And it's this is how these multiplayer games are sus- sustaining themselves. And um, it's just dumb. And the, and the sad thing is, probably, I don't know, have any statistics to base this up, uh, but just probably just like real life casinos. Um, you know what? I mean, the majority of people probably don't, but the the, the they're preying on a, a certain number of people that probably are prone to to prone to that stuff that it, get yeah. wrecked by it. Um, yeah. They probably pay way too much into it for virtual is, things. So, you know, at least at a casino you lose real money you earn real money right in this you're buying some digital thing that you never actually can claim to own and when the game shuts down you it's have gone. nothing to that show money's for gone it. yeah, yeah. Um, so and again it goes into to the free market you are free to purchase anything you like uh, it is your choice just use your money wisely so this is another opportunity to interact with us is a loot box something you think is good for the economy? Is the move away from season passes and towards loot crates? Or expansions. Just expansions. Hey, this is a game. You like it. Would you like to see more of it? You know, just... I would rather pay a subscription to a game to ensure that it lives than mm-hmm. these things, you know? But... That can also be cost prohibitive. So I'm I'm a big fan, especially with the MMOs of the buy once, own forever. Yeah. So if I not, want an expansion, sus- I buy it. Right, but that's not sus- sustainable from a software developer standpoint. Correct. Right? It has a very l- sl- short tail. Right. Unless there's something compelling. Right. So. Um, but speaking of ways that you could spend your money that would make a difference. Yeah. That. You know, again, you may not get any physical reward, um, but it'll char- heal your soul. It's charity. 
Um, and we have a charity shout out this week. Um, friend of the show, Daphne, is raising money for some kids. It's the Children's Hospital. Um, it's Extra Life. Extra Life, yeah. Yep. Um, she's part of a group here in Columbus, Ohio, called Beers and Board Games. They're doing a 24-hour marathon session on Saturday. Hmm. Um, Who else was planning to do a charity 24-hour marathon? I don't know. Not. I can't think. Nothing's coming ahead. Yeah, I noticed. But um, in the show notes, we've linked to her donation page. Um, you don't have to donate for her goals. You could just donate in general. Um, and if you want to watch them this Saturday, we also link to their Twitch channel. Uh, it's for a good cause. It's games. Um, if you're here in Columbus, you can check them out. You can go there. It's a four-string brewery. Yep. And um, you can watch them on Twitch. So. Yeah, or you can be a shut-in like me and just stay at home but uh, and chill. So that'll that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, we're glad to be back, and yeah. we'll continue to put out content on a basis. Of regularity. That's a goal. <laughs> Until next week, or whenever. Yep. See you then.